Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for some time together with our family and for some time in your word. And I pray that as we walk through uh, Luke chapter 1, we would be overwhelmed by the, the trust that existed in your servants then and should exist in us now. And I pray you'll convict us a little bit. The times when we feel like the sky is falling and we act more like chicken little and not like followers of Christ. Help us um, to, through our longing prayers, trust you no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, it's Christmassy, as we can all see. Um, I'm very thankful that the plaid theme is in full effect because um, if you remember from a few Christmas Eve services, uh, my first Christmas Eve service, we had a little bit of a disruption in the crowd and it got a little scary. So this year, since most of my wardrobe is plaid, I'll be camouflaged in the middle of it. So if anything scary happens, I'll just stand here and then I'll be safe. It'll be great. Um, I'm sure that we can all remember this, the, the worry and the, the drive for the next, the latest, the greatest toy that our kids would want. Um, I don't know if you, have, if you can recall some of the longing that would exist in some of these things. When you Google the top 10 most sought-after Christmas presents, none of them are from the, like the last five or six years. Because um, that's all just technology and iPods and toys. And we remember some of these things, don't we? I'm dating myself because I remember all of these. I wasn't really in the Pogs thing. I always thought that was weird. That wasn't really a thing for me. Um, cut her head off, but the Cabbage Patch doll. Some Transformers. I was definitely in the Transformers world. Didn't really get into Pokemon. That's, I always thought it was weird, but that was old when it came out. Some Star Wars action figures. Remember the Care Bears? Some Toy Story. That's a Furby. That was my daughter had once. Weird. And of course, this is going to be, that was last year's big one, right? Had a little bit of that. When we think of longing, we think of that kind of stuff now. We think of, there's, we always have longings for stuff. We have longings for things. We have longings for our hopes and for our dreams. We have longings for our futures. We have longings for our kids and for our relationships and for the people who are close to us and the people that are far from us. And we, we are a culture and a people because we know the world's broken. We know deep in our souls this isn't how it's supposed to be. If everything was how it was supposed to be in the garden, there would be no longing because we'd be completely fulfilled. And what we see in the holiday season is often those longings get put onto things. Um, but what we see in the Bible, there was a longing for the hope of the Messiah to return. And then there was also a deeper, not deeper, but as equally deep longing for the hope of our families to be fulfilled and our communities and for health and for all. We just know this isn't how it's supposed to be. And it creates uh, in us a, an angst, uh, ah, I just don't, doesn't feel right, it just doesn't. And you can call it evil in the world, you can call it brokenness, you can call it your issues and my baggage, and we can do all those things, but it, at the core is we know that this isn't how it's supposed to be. So we enter into the story of Elizabeth and Zechariah. And we're not going to do all of Luke chapter 1, because there's a lot going on in there. We're going to bounce around a little bit. And instead of just reading it all to you, since we're chunking it up, we're going to read it a section at a time. So we start 
verse 5. There was a priest named Zechariah of the division of Abiha. I think I got that wrong, but I forgot to look it up. And he had and her name was Elizabeth. And commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had and both were advanced in years. So, breaking down quickly, both and Zechariah come from priestly lines. Both of them. Um, they are God. Um, we even get this little connotation from Luke here. And they were both righteous before God, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But Elizabeth was barren. Now, we've talked about this over the years, that in Hebrew culture, if you weren't able to have a child, it was often seen as you did something wrong. And so for Luke to give this to us, is he's, he's settling all of those like pesky, gossipy, like you know, the part of the church that we don't like to admit is there sometimes. People talk about each other and say things and do things. The part that we all want to smash with the heel of our shoe, and it should be. Luke is telling us it wasn't because of sin. He's telling us that this picture, which I don't think it ever was, I think that's a bad teaching, but I think that he's giving us the cultural help. He's giving us that nobody in this community thinks that of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And he's saying that this couple walked with the Lord in every way, following all the commandments. They are the poster child of Christian couple in the church. They're perfect. But they don't have a child. And they're getting old. They're up in, up in years, so they're not able to have kids. Now, while he was serving as priest before God... Find it here. His division was on duty, according he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Now, what's going on is that there are 24 different divisions um, that serve the temple for a week. And they would do that twice a year. So in the, in the life of the priestly, of Zechariah's role as a priest, twice divided this up, and it would be different families and different groups, divisions of the priesthood would do it. And so once probably, because you have all these other people, what I'm getting at is only one time in the life of a priest would you be asked probably to actually burn the incense in the temple at the Holy of Holies. You got your entire life, you're in the priestly class, men up to 13 and then if you're good at it then you can go on to training and you keep going to training and then you become a priest and you're living this righteous life and you're doing all of these things and you're following God and you're an example to everyone and twice in the temple as close to the presence of God as possible serving everyone helping with their sacrifices it would be an amazing honor to do that twice a year and then once in your lifetime, you get to be the one to take the incense to the Holy of Holies, putting the prayers and the sacrifices before God in a way that's supposed to make this fragrant aroma lifted to the heavens. This, 
This is the Super Bowl, World Series, everything that you're training for. We see that Elizabeth and Zechariah are older. They're not going to have any kids. Like, this is it. Like, he would have been anxious and nervous, and everything that he'd been training for to this moment is, I get to go before the Lord. And an angel appears. Now take that of this moment and add it to he, you can just imagine Elizabeth's prayers and Zechariah's prayers to carry on the family name, the longing for a child, the, the hours and hours over years of, well, the, the, the prayers haven't been fulfilled. What does God have for me? But then they still dutifully served. They still long to be examples of an image bearer of God to the community around them. And you can imagine that roller coaster ride. And there's ladies in this room that have ridden that roller coaster. Of, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on. Is God going to answer? I'm not sure what's going to happen. So you put all of her pent up feelings as a woman, and you put all of his pent-up feelings of longing as a man, and you put him into this one spot where he's like, this is everything. I've served you faithfully, Lord. I've been longing for things that haven't been fulfilled. And in this moment, my duty is laid out before me. The whole outside. So, um, going to die, because if you're not cleansed and good and holy, then, but that's a whole other story. Of the altar of incense. But the angel said to him, Don't, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you should call his name John. Again, we've mentioned this a lot over the years. Every time an angel appears, no one's like, that is so cool. High five that angel and thank you for showing up. Everyone is freaking out. That's why I, I love nativity scenes. I, I love them, but like the gentle, long flowing haired angel sitting up there just looking over, like that's, that's great. But if an angel appeared in this room, none of us would be like, wow, that's beautiful. We would hit the dirt in fear and terror because a messenger of God has arrived and I am unclean and wash my lips with coal. Like there's, right? So he shows up in the altar of incense. Gabriel, the angel shows up and says, you're going to have a son. Like, so, and it's gonna, his name's going to be John. You're going to name him John. Now when you take... The, the words for John, and you combine them together, um, his name is going to mean to show favor to or be gracious. We're going to get a picture of what John's life son is going to be named John, which means to be gracious, to, to show grace to others, to walk people to the grace of Christ. To, uh, we can pick all the imagery out. Now, of that where are you God, all of that I serve you God, all of that in this moment. How does he react? How would you react? He didn't say, good and faithful servant, you've lived an honorable life, 
You've done all the things. You've done the right way. You've followed everything. You've helped people know the commandments. You've helped people know. He didn't say any of that. He said, the Lord has heard your prayers. You will have a son. He's probably forgotten. Not forgotten. He's probably stopped praying as intently as maybe he was in his 30s and 40s. It's now just become something that he's had to live with. He's just dealt with it. He doesn't understand it. He's seen his wife longing as well. And it's, this prayer has just built and built and built. And in this moment, this angel appears to him. In his moment, he's taking the incense in. The whole crowd's out there waiting. It's the moment. And he gets a, a prophecy about a child. So thinking that, all the emotions that would flood into him, all of the long nights, all of that would just rush to him. And I don't know if you've had longing prayers for someone in your family, for someone that you're really close to, for an illness, for someone that's far from God, for a hope and a dream you want the Lord to do. I, I don't... And you probably get those moments where you're like, oh, why am I even praying this anymore? Is God even there? Is He even listening? Is He even... What? What? And then often those longing prayers aren't just about getting the stuff. It's about the conversation. That that longing draws you to the conversation with our Savior to never stop talking to Him, to never, like it builds, it should grow, our, and even if you're mad about it. Can we be honest? That often those longing prayers are ones of, I'm struggling, Lord, but thank you for keeping me in the struggle. Do you really pray that way? It's probably more like, I don't understand, I don't get it, I know you're good, Help me to understand. Help me to be okay. Help me to find peace. Help me to find joy, even when I don't really feel all of it. Like, I know you're good. I love you. I trust you. I'm not going to reject you. I'm not going to turn from you because you won't turn from me. But, oh, help me, Lord. Help me. I can't do this alone. I can't, I can't shake it. I can't. And then that longing will help to create a deeper relationship with God. So think of that as Elizabeth and Zechariah have prayed these prayers, husband and wife together, unknowing, following God, that they've grown closer to God in their longing. And this angel appears and says, you're going to have a son. Verse 14. And you and many will rejoice at his birth for the Lord. And he must not drink wine in mother's womb. And he will to the Lord their God. And he will go to Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Not only do you get to have a kid, but this kid is going to do some amazing things. He's going to herald in the coming of the Lord. 
And Zechariah said to the angel, How shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. You just at the pinnacle of your priestly duties in the temple of the of God in the holy of holies and says that all of your longing will be fulfilled and Zechariah is just like all of us are you sure cuz i'm pretty old i don't know. I, again i i've said it a million times and i'll keep saying it if you're going to write a book to make up something, to make up a faith, and to try to just be... You're not going to admit how stupid you are. You're not... Thank you. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you'll be silent and able to speak until the day that these things take place. Because you did not... ...build in their time. You're an idiot. The Mike Berry paraphrase. I've given, it's right here in front of you. And so, Zechariah is mute from this day until John is born. He says, what are you doing? I've just given you the promise. I've t- your, your longings have been fulfilled, and then when they are fulfilled, you doubt them. We've been like that too a little bit, haven't we, as people? God can fulfill it. You long for it, and you're just like, this is too good to be true. There's no way. Are you, are you sure? I don't know. Can I really trust God? Can I really? Ah. And Zechariah is mute for a while. Nine months at least. And the people are waiting. So he comes out there praying, please don't die in the presence of holiness. Zechariah comes out, his big day has happened, he's had this prophecy, and he walks out and can say nothing. He can't talk, he's mute. And they were wondering at his delight, are we going to have to get him out of there? And when he came out, he was able to speak to them, and they realized that he'd seen a vision in the temple, and he came out, when his time of service was ended, he went to his home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived, and for five months she kept herself hidden, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on, looked on me to take away my reproach among people. He, Zechariah, doubted, clear moan of doubt. The angel Gabriel says, You're not going to talk for a while. He comes out and can't speak, and everyone's like, Oh, something amazing happened. So holy. That's from his doubt. He goes home. I don't know if he wrote something out to his wife, tried to sign some things. They conceive a child, and for five months she kept herself hidden. She's probably anxious, worried. Is this really going to, I don't know. I'm not sure. It's, ah. Where Zechariah verbalized his doubt. Elizabeth was clinging to it internally, I believe. Not because clearly she's pregnant. Clearly she knows. But she's afraid that one, can I really trust this? Can I really, can I really sink into this? Um, there's a poem by Alexander Pope. 
1733, it kind of rocked the Enlightenment world. And we get the phrase, hope springs eternal. Um, the actual quote is, hope springs eternal in the human breast. Um, this guy was respected. Alexander Pope was respected by Rousseau, Voltaire, the Enlightenment guys, the clockmaker God guys, the, the people that would say there is no God. But they read his four series. He called them epistles, which is kind of interesting. But um, he, he, all of them saw something beautiful in Alexander Pope's and just trust science. At the time, in the middle of the, in the Enlightenment, in the middle of, of the scientific method, Alexander Pope pens a series of poems saying that hope is something that beats inside of us. If you've seen the movie Shawshank Redemption, most of you have, I'm sure, at the, one of the ending moments is where the main character, Andy, is with um, Morgan Freeman's character, and he comes out of his, his time in the hole in solitary confinement, and he says that I had the music in my heart, it's in me. They can't take that from me. No one can take music from you. It's what we have to cling to. And Morgan Freeman says, "That's a you're talking about hope. That's a dangerous thing in a place like this. And the main character says, that's all we have. If we don't have hope, why are we here? And so Alexander Pope pens this during the, the middle of the Enlightenment. The middle of science is ruling everything. That hope is something that's born into us. It's something that we long for. It's something that we strive to have, that no matter what happens in the scientific world or what happens in advancements in technology, it's always going to fail us. Hope is something that comes from God. It's something that comes from how we're born. And Elizabeth and Zechariah are examples of this. And you can go from year zero to today, 2,000 years later, and the same thing is true. We're in the, you hear about postmodernism, you hear about today, we're going to call it post-technology. I think it's going to be the next phrase, the next decade. The post-technological world. Because we trusted in industrial revolution, the world's ills have not been solved. We believe in technology today. There will be a post-technological age when technology is not going to solve the world's ills. And people are going to be striving for hope in something other than our created world. We're going to have to drive ourselves to God's created world. And Elizabeth and Zechariah are right there. The hope springs eternal because of the promise that we see in the coming of the king. Jump to verse 63. This is... There's an name at the eighth day of a circumcision. They call John. Um, Elizabeth says, "No, he shall be called John." And they said to her, "None of your relatives is called." They made signs to his father to be called. Hey, Elizabeth lost it. Zechariah, you're the man of the house. What are we calling this kid? And so he, in verse sixty-three, and he asked for. A Spoke blessing God and fear things were taught of Judea and all in their hearts saying, The hand of the Lord was with him. 
that Zechariah, the baby's born, comes to David's name, remembers what the angel Gabriel had said, his name will be John. He follows the word that the angel has given. John, his mouth is open. Think of the nine months. Okay, ten. The Elizabeth's pregnant with Mary. You have the baby jumping in the womb in worship of Jesus in the womb of Mary. For one, Mary's magnificent. Zechariah is silent until he's humbled in the birth. He follows what the angel has said, opens his mouth, and he can tell the whole story. And the countryside. What will this child be? Part of what was read earlier. Um, ah, we're not going to talk about that. The problem is over John. I think it's cool that you guys are reading that, and I already had it planned. Verse 78. They started in 76. And you, child, his son John, will be called. For you will go to give knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunshine shall visit us from on high to give life and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Respected, admired, prophecy, laid out, doubt, longing, despair, joy, hope. The coming king when we talk about hope being revealed in this season, can we all agree that some of the sweetest answers to our prayers are the ones that we often don't see coming? I won't, Eli won't be here in second service, but um, there's been some longing prayers in my life for my parents, for my kids, for the people that I love dearly, serve church with, um, and blessed to serve in different areas of life. And there's, but I found myself probably in the most deepest prayer for the people that are closest to me my wife, my kids, my mom, my dad, my great friends, my coworkers, the people that I live life with every day. Like, I, there's longing prayers for change, for hope, for circumstance to, to, to shift, for God to be known, for grace to be extended, for forgiveness. And I'd love to say that I can just get on my knees, pray for 30 minutes, and then I walk upstairs in my house and I get a text message or a phone call and all of a sudden there's like, oh, prayers have been answered. That's amazing. And oftentimes it's in the most subtle, unexpected ways. I prayed for my, my dad for a long time. and I, I still pray for him. Um, I didn't know where his faith journey was. He never talked about God to me ever in my life. 
wasn't a conversation we ever had. And that's a hard conversation to have sometimes with a parent. To like, I don't know if you've ever been in that situation. Um, it's kind of awkward. Like, uh, what am I supposed to do with this? I don't know. And then, uh, but they come and visit us in West Virginia, and we used to pray every night with both kids. We'd sit down and we'd pray, and I mean, we still pray with them, but it's not the same as when they're like four. And so, who wants to pray tonight? One of us would finish up our prayers, and my dad and my stepmom are visiting. And, and Eli goes, Grandpa should pray. And I am going, oh, no. <laughs> and he goes, yeah. Look at Amber. And I'm like, this is the, it was the first time at, I'm 34 years old. It's the first time in my entire life I heard my dad pray. And I've been praying and praying and praying and longing and and my son in his innocence sparks it. Fast forward a few more years, we're here in Wyoming. Dad's out here visiting by himself, and we're having dinner, and I don't know what we're talking about. It might have been lunch after church, and Savannah is probably five at the time, and says, Grandpa, do you love Jesus? And he goes, yeah, I do. I believe in God, and I know Jesus died for me. And I'm sitting there, what? <laughs> and so then I finally, like my daughters open the door. Both of my children are better at this conversation than me. I stink at this. This is supposed to be my job. I should be good at this. And we stood outside the garage when we got home, and he told me his faith story. Baptized as a kid church struggle as a young adult, stuff I didn't know that we went to church. To, I didn't know we went to this one church. As a, I, I was too little. I don't remember it. And there was heartache and break, and, and they left and used to serve, and I had no idea. Now I have different conversations with him. Why aren't you going to church? Like, I don't, you know, there's, I have those conversations with him now. But, like, it comes. The most longing prayers you have are answered in different ways. You have answered in this way, and God answers it, sometimes better than you ever imagined, but it's going in a whole different direction. And we could pass a mic, whether it's job changes, moving, kids, you're longing for your kids in a certain area, and God rescues them, changes them, moves them, and it's not how you thought it was, but you're so thankful it happened. Stuff that never makes sense. Some of you are still praying prayers that have never been answered. Never. And you want God so desperately to move and want God to act in this way and want God to fix it and make it right. and make, You long for it. And this story of Elizabeth and Zechariah, they were very old. They had lost all hope of a child. And in those longing prayers, God was faithful in a way they never imagined. They just wanted a little boy or a little girl. And God used that longing to shape us. We still talk of John the Baptist. We still emulate. We still long. We still 
So this week, what kind of longing prayers you've been praying? Not just in your head, in your heart. Like, put some pen to paper. Throw some journal to it. What have you been longing for? And then take some time to really reflect on it. Not just, I didn't get what I want. I've been praying for a brand new boat. I've been praying for a brand new truck. I've been praying for to finally have that vague dream vacation. What are you praying for, longing for, that's deep in your bones? And then spend some time reflecting and see how God has moved in that. It might be some millimeter movements. It might be some small change. It might be some... And where you don't see change, you don't see His Word, you don't see Him moving, ask Him, beg Him to reveal to you what He's doing. not saying He's going to answer immediately. God and I have this relationship where I ask a lot, and He seems to reveal a little bit, and the more I'm drawn to Him, the more I understand what He wants from me. It's when I take a step back and say, I prayed the prayer, God. You should be doing it. He doesn't answer that prayer. At least not to me. Maybe he does to you, but not to me. What are you longing for? The Advent season takes us. You heard Cole and Raina, Old Testament prophecies to the New Testament fulfillment is at a minimum 400 years, probably more like six, seven, eight, two thousand years in the fulfillment. Old Testament prophecies that can't be refuted being fulfilled in the New Testament. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, generations of people praying the same prayers, longing for the Messiah. And now we're 2,000 years into the church age, longing for the return of Christ, longing for him to fix what is broken, longing for him to redeem all of the people that we love dearly. We're a people of long prayer. And sometimes we get glimpses of amazing answers. And sometimes we just have to sit and trust. What are you trusting him for right now? Let's pray. Tell me for time together in your word. Thank you for um, beautiful words of hope that are found in so many faces and lives in this room. We could spend days and days sharing the stuff that we've longed for and taken to you, that you've fulfilled in miraculous and amazing ways, and that you've fulfilled in tiny ways. And sometimes we just get a small glimpse of hope that takes us to the next day. And you sustain us each and every day along this journey. And sometimes, Lord, we're devastated. We've prayed and prayed and prayed and trusted. And it seems like it all just explodes right in front of our face. And I... All that you're doing. But I do know that you're good. I do know that you love me. And I pray you'll help me to see that more, not only in my life, but in the lives of those who are around me. Help us to help your 
your hope that's found in your Son be revealed to so many people. We pray for your presence to be known. We pray for you to reveal yourself in ways we wouldn't expect. And I pray that we would praise you just like Elizabeth and Zechariah did after their longing prayers were fulfilled. Help us be people of praise during this season. In Jesus' name, amen.